This is the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Waylee Gray. Hey, you know how many physicians today are feeling overwhelmed and trapped living that busy and unfulfilling life? Yet more than ever, we as physicians are keenly aware that life is precious and tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. My mission is to help physicians start living their best life now by discovering and achieving their wildest travel dreams. So come, join us on this journey. Welcome back to another episode of the Dare to Dream Physician podcast. I have a a really special guest with us today. I'm just so excited to talk to her. I actually don't know that much about her, but I know enough about her, her story to know that I really want to get to know her more. And I think that's going to be true for our, all our listeners. Yeah. So I, I just want to welcome Dr. Isabel Amig to the Dare to Dream Physician podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and where do we even start? Because I have so many questions that I want to ask you. And I think I would love to start right before we started recording. I was just telling you that my Dare to Dream Physician podcast and the life planning, what we do here is I want to help physicians figure out what they really want out of their life because we've spent so long training, studying and meeting other people's expectations. And just like we have this checklist in our life that we've been following for so long and that so this is the time now is the time to really start figuring out what is it that we really want and and be really honest with that and then to start living that life that we really want to live as soon as possible. So I I think your story is going to resonate with so many here and you just have so much to teach us. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your story? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for having me. And I've learned so much about my own experience. So I'm very happy to share it because I hope that by using my experience, you don't have to go through what I did. So you can go through the story and you can prevent what I had to deal with. So basically, I moved from the France. So I'm a, I'm a rheumatologist actually in France. And then I moved for love in the US, in New York City. And wow. I did a second training. Yeah, I did a second training. My ex-husband is probably the smartest doctor I've ever met. We get along very well. And, and I have a ton of admiration for him. But basically, I moved for him. And then I, I finished my second residency, my second fellowship at Columbia University. And we moved uh, and I finally got some kids, my twins. They, they, and I was telling you a little bit earlier that it was very traumatic because they came very early. They came at six months. So they are twins doing super, it's just like no one would know. But but at the time it was pretty scary. And, and then we moved to Denver because basically after the traumatic experience of having my kids so early, I realized that I didn't have the support that I would have wanted in New York City. And so I thought we are two doctors and we are hardly making ends meet. (laughs) Mm. Let's just try to find some other place where we can raise our kids. And so we moved to Denver and we love it. It's, It's just wonderful, the perfect quality. I'm a rock climber, I'm a skier. So it's just the perfect place. But then I hit 40, right before 40, I had this vision and I'm sure that that's what a lot of, and I'm sure, yeah, because I hear our story, we have doctors that are burnt out. Like, I think, I think that that's what I experienced. I felt 
I, I didn't know that this is what I wanted. I finally had finished my two trainings. I finally had kids. They were small. They were three years old. And I was trying to do some research. I was doing some research, but I was trying to get some fundings for the research. And then I was seeing patients. And I just realized this one time, what am I doing here? Yeah. That, and that the other thing is that I was realizing we had grown apart with my ex-husband Mm. And we were not really like we, we were on two different words, completely two different words. For me, I was like, okay, now that I'm done training, I'm gonna have fun. We're gonna take the kids, we're gonna, I mean, it was completely like magical thinking, honestly. I see some people do it, but for me, I was like, oh, we're gonna take the kids, we're gonna camp with the kids. And my ex-husband was much more down to earth. And that's not really possible. <laughs> this is not gonna be fun to do this. What do you want to do with that? <laughs> and so And so we started growing more and more apart because I was like, this is not the dream. This is not the life that I've, I kind of like put my dream life in parenthesis when I was doing this training, but I've never felt that this would be it for me. Mm. And a little bit before 40, literally, I think two months earlier, or maybe a month earlier, I started like just crying, Mm. no reason for crying. And and I was just like, what am I doing? I have no fun. I don't even want to be with the kids. At that time, I just didn't even want to be there. Like, I think I just, I just felt pulled from all of those directions with no, I, I felt useless. Hmm. I, really, it's really interesting. I felt completely useless. I felt like this wasn't what I wanted. This is, hmm. this, this is all I had ever wanted to have kids, to have, to be in a, a doctor, to be a rheumatologist. But here I was with, no vision for my life. And like, just this, what am I doing? I feel trapped. And it's actually really interesting. I I don't share this with everyone, but I I met, I met someone at the climbing gym. I think just before I, I went for this and I wonder if he was the trigger for my midlife crisis because I met him and he's traveling a lot between, he's from Europe and he's traveling a lot we became very good friends and and seeing him I was like hold on I can also do that why am I not doing it mm. so he's like climbing he has friends he's like traveling from one country to the other I'm like why am I not allowing this to myself what what's what's stopping me from living my dream what is stopping me and then then the it hit hard like crying like what I I don't know what I'm doing I this is awful it was awful like I was in a horrible place and I turned 40 during Snowmageddon. So there's so much snow that everything is closed. And one, Did you one say of Snowmageddon? Yeah, that's how they call it. Snowmageddon. Is that a term that they have in Denver? I don't know. I, that that year, when was it? 2019, March 2019, 13 March 2019. That's exactly that date. That was my birthday, turning 40. Wow. And uh, I turned 40 and I'm crying inside my bed. And basically my then husband is super nice and he's like playing with the kids while I'm feeling resentful for my life. It was awful. You know, you're looking at it from outside and you're like, why are you not grateful for what you have right now? But I was just not in that space. I was in a horrible space, like thinking like, what am I doing? I want to be with my friends. And like my, so mostly I was thinking of my French friends because I didn't have a lot of friends at the time because we had just moved to Denver. Yeah. And then, uh, so Two weeks later, so this this friend that I, I became pretty good friends with, uh, this climber, moves, not moved, but hovers for like many months. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm losing my climbing partner. 
And then I'm taking a shower to go away. So this is very vulnerable because I, I feel I felt like an awful mom. I didn't want to be with them. It was awful. And I, I now I want to be with them all of the time. But at the time, I just, I wasn't happy. And so I'm going in the shower, just like crying, basically in the shower and trying to, to make, I don't know, to just, I don't know, to just get, get free, get a little bit of comfort. And, mm. and then suddenly I'm like, this is not supposed to be on my chest. And so I see this huge bump on my breast and I'm like, oh. hell no. So I get out of the shower. And again, my ex-husband is the best physician I know. So I'm like showing him and I'm like, what the hell is that? And like the first thought, the first thought was, this is cancer. There's like, no way this is not cancer. But like in my head, I'm like, it could be sarcoidosis. It could be an edema. It could be like every mm. single thing other than cancer. No. <laughs> It's not cancer. Yeah. And it was awesome. I was able to get the biopsy. So this is the thing is during my birthday, I was so done that I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm taking a plane and I'm going to France for four days. And so I had planned this trip like three weeks later. So when I was in the shower, I was literally three days later going to France. Oh, wow. And so I'm seeing this and then I'm like, no, within two days, get the biopsy. I, I go, I go after seeing patients, I come back after the biopsy and they are like, yeah, this is cancer. And I was like, no, that cannot be like, who are you? To-? And I'm like, just crying, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. this is not possible. And, and then they are already telling me like, look, you have lymph nodes that are already affected. And in my head, I'm like, you're a radiologist. Don't tell me this. This is unfair to me. And this is unfair to your patients because you don't have a plan and I need a plan. If you're going to tell me that I have cancer, I need to also know that I'm okay. Mm. And just telling me that I have cancer is just going to make me awful, like feeling awful. So I, I got really angry and that's normal. Like the bear are bad news. But this is all the bad, but I, I assure you there's all good stuff after this, right? <laughs> it's like all good. It's all good stuff. So what's really interesting is that I actually ended up, so I do the biopsy, go back to work, finish seeing patients, and I take a red eye flight to France, to direct flight to France. And I remember drinking a glass of wine in the airport, calling a friend and being like, those Americans, they have to always tell us that we have cancer, even though like it mightn't be nothing. <laughs> Maybe this is sarcoidosis, right? And I'm like, I tell this to my to, to my ex-husband and he's like, I could see his face. There was no way this was anything else than cancer, right? Mm. But I was hoping, like, don't kill the hope. So I arrived to France and it's all blurry, jet lag, plus this horrible diagnosis that's pending, right? And um, I, I don't know, I don't remember really how I got to my brother's house and he had had just a baby. So I was like kind of saying hi to the newborn. Wow. And oh, that was a weird moment. Like I'm mm-hmm. hearing the phone. So basically I had asked the oncologist, uh, not the oncologist, but whoever did the biopsy to call him mm-hmm. so that he could call me with the final result. And so mm-hmm. he's calling me and he's like, no, please, please take care of yourself. Have fun. And I'm like, look, like, I mean, it's better to know. So just tell me. So it's highly undifferentiated. It's PR negative. It's ER mildly positive. It's like it's 100% HER2 positive. So I have no idea at the time, right? I don't remember anything about breast cancer. Like I don't deal with this. <laughs> like I'm a rheumatologist. And I'm like, it has to be good, right? Like HER2, right? It's good. It's good, right? <laughs> because in my head, I'm like, okay, it's PR negative, ER negative. And it's highly undifferentiated. Like I'm dead. <laughs> mm. 
Mm. And then I'm like holding on to those words of it's HER2 positive. And 100% of the cells are HER2 positive. So Anip being this incredible doctor that he was, he had started reading about it. And he was like, yeah, there's some hormone, like uh, some immunotherapy. So that was good, right? So it was already stage three. And, And no, but this is where it becomes really good. Because... I don't even think I cried. So this is the only time I stopped crying. I was crying all of the time, midlife crisis and so on. And then suddenly I stopped crying. Here's my friend, Jean-Cian, that calls me. So my friend, Jean-Cian, I'd gone through my whole midlife crisis. My friend, Marie, too, in France, both in France. I had reconnected with them when I was doing my midlife crisis. And so this, this friend was calling me. She's like, okay, so what is it? And I'm like, Jean-Cian, I have cancer. And she's like, he's heaven. You cannot do things like the other people, can you? She's like, for your midlife crisis, you cannot just buy a new car or just do a divorce. <laughs> no, you've got to do a cancer. She's like, I have no, I have no doubt you're going to get through this and you're going to show us how it's done. Mm. You're, go, you're a warrior. You're going to see us. Like you are Isabel. You're like, you're Isabel. You're our Zaza. You're a wonder woman. Mm. And it's, she's not a doctor, but I hold on to those words. Like, like the whole time, every time that I was freaking out, every single time I was like, no, I'm a warrior. I'm going to get through this. It's okay. I got this. And what was unbelievable to me is that all my friends said the same thing. You're going to get this. You're going to, it's going to be okay. But it wasn't in a pity way. It was like, you're like, look at you, look at you. You're climbing. Look at you. You're fine. And hearing that was so life-changing because you're like, yeah. So I'd, so I'm telling my friend, I'm like, I guess my midlife crisis is over, right? That was a short one. <laughs> I'm going to have to deal with this. Mm. And so that was the first thing, mind shift uh, change. And then thanks to my other very good friend, Marie, I, that says, that tells me the same thing, just not as funny. She was just like, you got this. Like, you're not, <laughs> you're fine. Mm. And, and then my, my friend Marie was seeing a naturopath. I'm like evidence-based scientist. I do research. <laughs> and, and for some reason, I was like, there is something that I saw when Marie saw this naturopath. And it's, it's not the medicine. I don't, like, it's not the herb. It's not this. But there is something about the way she talked to her that was very powerful. Mm. And, I, and I need to hear this. So I go to her and I, actually it was unbelievable. Like she's, I call her and I'm like, look, I'm, I leave a message and I'm like, I'm only here for two days. Okay. So this is in France. Like this naturopath yeah. is in France. All of this is in France. Yeah. Okay. All of this is in France. So I'm like, I'm here for two days. Cause I'm, look, I was here for four days in total. I'm like, I need to hear for four days. I just got diagnosed with breast cancer. Is there any way you can see me? And she opens her office on a Saturday morning and I get to see her for one hour or more. And it just felt like all the time in the whole world. I never felt pressure. And as, as I'm like talking to her, I was just like, I need to learn from this so I can offer this to my patient. I feel so good. Mm. <laughs> like it was this beautiful space with green and beautiful flower, a ton of, of light. And I was like, I feel so good here. And here she is. She's like truly listening to me. And then she's telling me this story. And and so I, I told her about my midlife crisis. And I tell her about yeah, that I wasn't feeling that 
I wasn't feeling that I was a woman. I wasn't feeling like a mom. I felt guilty. I wasn't feeling like a good wife. And basically, I just tell her, like, I was dying before I had the cancer. Mm. And so then she tells me, she's don't see the cancer as an enemy. See it as a friend that's coming to tell you something, to teach you something. And that when you're going you're, you're gonna to understand what they have to teach you, and when, like any good friend, would be able to go away. And it's so powerful and really funny because as physician, you hear sometimes patients telling you that, right? And I'm pretty sure I've had those thoughts where I was like, yeah, whatever. Mm. But when it's you that's on the other side and you're the patient, those words are so empowering. And for me, it was a shift. And this shifted my practice of medicine. Like for me, like now, if I have a TED Talk every one day, this is what I want to share. There is no point in fighting me. There's no point in fighting this cancer. So I hate when we say, oh, he lost his battle against cancer. No, you don't know what's going on for the life of that person. I was in a horrible place, horrible place. And I met this this person at the gym, this guy at the gym that made me realize, hold on, there is actually life. There is actually something that's fun about life. And then I get the cancer. The only, I mean, for me, the only reason that I'm still alive is that I saw him and I saw what could happen for me if I only took steps to do it and be like, Mm -hmm. no, I don't have to live this life that's not mine. Mm -hmm. And then I had this life energy to actually work with the cancer. And I don't say fight because I never felt that I was fighting. And, 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 Think about the power, right? Like instead of fighting this disease that would have been my DNA, mm. right? It's, those are my cancer. They are my cells, right? They were my cells. Instead of fighting, I was like, okay, what am I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to learn? So I started like doing meditations, visualization. I did a lot of energy healing and like, we can talk about this if you want, but I literally, I was like, I need the power of placebo on my side. And it became even more apparent (laughs) when I learned that I had stage four cancer, that I had had spread to the liver and spread to the bone. And then I was like, okay, you got my attention. And it sounds scary. And everyone around me, because I was back in the US at that point, my my colleagues who became very good friends, they were also supportive. But I think one of the things that was easier for them is to realize that I was like, Not that I I got this, but more like I'm determined to learn whatever I have to learn from this. Mm. And and I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but that's okay. And it's funny, as a physician, we're very driven. We want to be in medical school. You want to be a a rheumatologist, then you want to be maybe assistant, associate, and professor, and so on. So driven, like this is important. And in this case, I was like, I'm not going to focus on that. Right. I'm going to visualize that I'm healthy. I'm going to visualize that I'm going all the way to 90. <laughs> Actually, I think mm-hmm. I, I was thinking 75. <laughs> At 40, I was like, okay, 35 years of good life. That's great. And now I'm like, oh, I want to live to 120. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the, the visualization, and I would love to talk with you about that. But just this realization, like I need to work with me. This mm-hmm. thing came out of moment. I'm not saying that every single disease comes as part of to teach you something, but I really think that you can learn something. And instead of fighting it, 
learn from it. And, and it's mm. so important, right? Because it's a mind shift. Like instead of being angry at yourself and at your body and at whatever, an organ, hey, what do you need? What do you need right now? Like sometimes I eat pretty crappy. Some other time I eat very, very well. And usually what I've realized is that I, I eat, when I don't eat really well, it's when I usually don't listen to what I need. And I feel I feel guilty and I feel angry. So I'm like, ah. And then I feel guilty. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just ate like something that actually doesn't make me feel good. And now I feel guilty. And I'm learning to be like, no, hold on. Do I want this piece of chocolate? And then I'm like, oh yeah, I really want it. So I look at it, <laughs> spend some time. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is special this is special mm. and I think with life that's that's what that's what I learned I was just like wow and I I, I was a, in an institution that was extremely supportive and so I decreased my uh, hours at work uh, but I continued to work the whole time because I love being a doctor it's it's a passion I love the experience of meeting over my patients, seeing them better. And it was healing for me, especially in rheumatology. I don't know if all the specialty like this, but in rheumatology, our patients do very, very, very well. Mm. <laughs> and so my patients, they always do well. Mm. And that was actually super, to me, it was just like, okay, hold on. I've seen miracles in medicine. I've seen patients that had, that were hemiplegic from inflammation of their vessel. Mm. And uh, I've seen severe lupus, I've seen severe vasculitis, I've seen severe RA. I've seen things where we didn't even know what it was, mm. but they all do well. All of mm. them, all of them, I keep following them. Like I, they all do well. And so in my head, and, and like when I, at the time where like the kids uh, were three years old and mm. so they were doing amazing, right? So I was like, hold on. They were 25 weekers, five years earlier. I don't know that you would give much chance to a 25 weeker, right? Mm. And so in my head, I was like, okay, hold on. Medicine is constantly improving. And so I became my own. I would be like this, this person with my, my patients, very positive, very optimistic, because I really believe in the power of medicine. But then I did it on me. And in addition, I started adding what I think, what I thought was placebo effect. But I was like, 30%, I will take it. And if I can tap into that, I will take it. And so that's where I learned visualization. I did it. I actually used to do a lot of affirmation at the time. I do much less and I sh probably should go back to it. But I did affirmation, visualization, and then I was doing exercise a lot. So I did climbing and I think seeing myself climbing. So I, yeah, it was just, it's so unbelievable. That was part one of an amazing interview with Dr. Isabel Ami. She has such an important story to tell, and she shared so many gems as she's telling it. I can't wait to share next week's episode with you. So stay tuned. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend and go on your favorite podcast app to give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us to get the word out there. Also, I am really excited to announce I've started a online Facebook community for physicians. Go and search for Dare to Dream Physician Travel. That's the name of the Facebook group. If you have trouble finding us, the link is also in the show notes. I hope to see you on the inside.